Hello, this is Dale Muano. I am super pumped for this podcast today. It's just me and I'm going to be talking about the unexpected and pressure. And I'm going to be specifically talking about an experience I had five years ago during this same time frame. So I'm excited for the podcast today. I hope you're doing well. Hello, hello, hello. I hope you are doing well today. I am, I'm actually a little pumped. I'm excited. I just did a little presentation with a a group that I've been working with for the last eight months and they just presented to the executive team, gave them a little update of where they are and where they're going and the presentation went well. So I'm super pumped and I've been wanting to do this podcast for a while and I was reflecting on this past weekend. I was like, I got to make this podcast regarding an experience I had five years ago during this time. And I wanted to highlight pressure, expectation, strategy, responsibility, Yes, that's that's a whole lot of stuff. Like I'm just throwing it all out there, but I think it might be encouraging for you guys to hear this story. So, it was 2016, May of 2016. I'm expecting my third child. And I'm also in the process of transitioning from a job I've been working for for the last three and a half years. I got selected to go and tell a story at a story competition that I was selected with three other storytellers. And I also have a 501c3 nonprofit pitch, like a startup pitch to a community leaders that might benefit an organization I was involved with. Yes, that is what's happening in the middle of May of 2016. And you're probably asking me, what were you thinking, Dale? What was going on in your head? That's that's too much. That's too much pressure, man. Why would you put all that pressure on you? Well, for me, my intention wasn't to put all that on my plate, right? I think the most important thing some of you guys might say is like, you're expecting a child, Settle down. Don't do anything crazy. And then some of you guys will also say, why are you leaving your job? Do you have another job? Actually, I was going rogue. I was, gonna, I was transitioning to go independent. I had a couple of gigs lined up, but nothing really substantial. And also, I'm expecting a child. And on top of that, I got selected amongst a national storytelling competition hosted by an organization called GSERP in partnership with the Moth Storyteller Corps, which is huge. And I'm super pumped. So I have to make a decision. Do I do all of the things? Well, there are a couple of them where I, if, if it's going to happen, I have no choice, right? If the birth of my child happens, I got I to gotta be there for my, the birth of my child. And then the other stuff, the tech pitch, do I go to the tech pitch? Do I travel down to Austin, Texas to tell my story as part of this 
biannual conference that all these different grant makers are going to be there. So what would I should have done in that situation? Mind you, in a lot of my work, it's super strategic, right? It's a, you work towards something and then you get that thing. And once you get that thing, you hope that it sets you up for another thing. So you're constantly are always juggling different things. The employer that I worked for for three and a half years, I learned so much being with that employer and I had an awesome community around me. But I just got to a point where I realized it was time for me to transition out. So I had about a month and a half from middle of May of 2016 until I was transitioning out of the company, leaving that company that I was working for, that organization. But in between that transition, there is a baby that's expected to come. So my hope is stick around. The baby comes. Everything is good. You're utilizing your employer's insurance and then every, everything works out. Then you you leave. But I want to tell you a little bit more around this storytelling thing that I got selected for. So I'm involved with this organization out in Cambridge, Mass called Refuge Point. The owner of Refuge Point, the founder is this humanitarian. He worked for the UN. He worked for all this NGOs and he runs a refugee program where he has teams of people all over Africa and, and Middle East that helps refugees get re- refugee uh, status and then move to other places. A couple of years before that, we found ourselves connecting at a conference that I was presenting in Washington, D.C. And he was reading my bio and he said, I think I've met you before. Make a long story short. He was actually working for the International Migration Office in late 1990s, where he helped take some refugees out of the Congo to a refugee camp. And then some of those refugees moved to the U.S. Come to find out, him and I had a connection. We actually met back then, which is crazy. Anyways, let's fast forward. In about February of 2016, he calls me and says, hey, Dale. There's this storytelling competition where they're looking for immigrant stories. It's this huge grant maker organization that they do their biannual conference. It's over 400 people there. And I thought you should submit your story. And they're partnering up with an organization called The Moth. He's like, have you ever heard of The Moth? The Moth, you know, they they show their stories through... YouTube and all these different venues. And also they, they are syndicated with partnership with different radio stations. I was like, let me look up the moth. And I, I saw them. I was like, holy crap, this sounds like a great opportunity. I was like, all right, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll put together a little story and submit it. So I put together a little story with, with my iPhone, told the story and then sent it out. And I was like, all right, maybe they'll select me. Maybe they won't. And then middle of April, Middle of April, I get an email saying, Deo, you have been selected as a storyteller for GCERT annual conference. And I'm like, super excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And they said, we're going to provide you with a moth storytelling coach that's going to help you frame your story. You have about 10 minutes to tell your story. I'm like, all right, this is exciting. So then I started working with a coach. I would 
put together my, my, my script and recite it and send it to her. And then she'll give me feedback. And I realized, man, this professional development is so amazing. The fact that I have an actual coach that's giving me feedback and the best way for me to tell my story. Mind you, I've been telling my story up to that point for the last 16 years. So now I get the tools from professional storyteller coach that's helping me craft my story for this conference. So I'm super pumped about it. And it started to hit me towards the end of April. I'm like, oh, okay. My wife and I just found out that she's going to have a C-section for my third child on May 19th. And I'm supposed to be flying out to Austin a couple of days before, like a week before, to tell this story for this conference. So I was like, uh, maybe I should cancel this. So I reach out to my wife and I say, hey, what do you think I should do? She's like, hey, Dale, as long as everything is good and all my appointment, I think you should definitely take advantage of this opportunity because this, this, is, this is an amazing opportunity for you. And I'm like, oh, man. All right. I was like, listen, if things get worse, I'll, I'm going to definitely pull out. Like, I, I, I won't tell my story and travel to Austin to, to, because, you know, you're expecting and your health is very important. So and then a nonprofit that I've been involved with called Bring It in Manchester, New Hampshire for so long. After school program serve about 200 students every night. Um twice a week and students are from all over the world. I've been involved with the program at that time for the last seven years. They got qualified to do this pitch competition where they get to tell their story and they could potentially win $25,000 and $25,000 is a big deal for this organization. So I'm helping kind of craft the story. There's a group of other nonprofits that are going to be pitching their ideas Come to find out that is happening two days after I come back from Austin. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, holy crap, this is crazy. So same thing I told my wife, should I cancel this? She's like, listen, again, at least you're going to be here in Manchester. So if anything happens, you know, you can cancel it or someone else can work with you. So we're getting closer and closer to the Austin trip. And mind you, I've been working with the storyteller now for almost a month and I'm loving it. I'm, I'm continuing to really think about creatively. How do I tell my story? And at that point, I realized I've been telling my story almost from a third person standpoint for so long because I, I got used to really appeasing to different audiences that would book me to go tell my story. So I realized at that point, holy crap, like there's certain aspect of my story that I didn't take ownership to because I, I always had to adapt my story within a theme of a conference or a theme of an organization in order to, to fit it in. And my storyteller coach was telling me, you have to embody, you have to become you as you tell your story and you have to express yourself and you have to tone in, tune in into your own emotions as you're telling your story. And I realized at that moment, wow, this is a different way for me to engage and interact with my own personal story. So that was a very therapeutic moment for me because it forced me to be very vulnerable 
in tapping into the feelings and emotions of my own personal story. If you don't know my story, I grew up in the Congo my, uh, early on in my life. Um, and then my father got assassinated in my family and we became refugees and then we moved to the U.S. and experienced all this turmoil. So part of my story, I, I tell a story about my father, my mother finding out, the night my mother found out that my father was assassinated. So working with this coach, I'm finding myself like having to tune in and be present within my own story that I've been telling for so long. And, and I was like, wow, this is special. This is really special. And every time I sent her a video of me presenting, she would give me constructive feedback. Hey, tweak this, change this. Um, that's a little different. Like fix this here. What, what did that meant for you? How did you feel? What was the environment like? What was the sound and the noise like? So I won. I, first of all, I was super grateful that I had the opportunity to actually be selected. And just to tell you, the other two storytellers that got selected, one is a poetry. She writes poetry. She's a poet. And she, she presented for the Def Jam Poetry Slam. And then another one, and she's, she's, she's originally from, she has a Vietnamese background. And then another one is... Uh, my fr- uh, this other individual who is from Guatemala, and he is an amazing storyteller. He's won Grand Slam champion storytelling with the Moth at the time. Like he's won like ten different ones all over the country. So this dude is a real deal. Like he he writes stories and presents it and wins competition. And then here here you got me who was like involved with so many different things, dance, performing arts, works corporately, and I have a story within me. So in my in my head, I, I didn't I wasn't really intimidated by how was I going to tell my story and you know in, in comparison to my other colleagues who got selected. But it was really about how can I be more authentic to myself. So once I found out about who my other you know storytellers were going to be. You know, I Googled them and saw their story. I'm like, wow, these people are awesome. So he came closer to that, to the date. So I just got to remind you, you know, as, as a leader, you, you always have to take ownership to your decision. Separate from just what is happening, right? What's drawn you to, to, to do something, right? What's the end result and what you're hoping to accomplish? You got to take ownership of the responsibility and the consequences of the decision you're making. At that point, me deciding to go to Texas, like it's like, hey, if something happens to your wife and you know your kid comes to life, like you got to take ownership to that, right? Like, so I had to actualize the good and the bad of that, right? Potentially not being around for my my, my daughter being born, or something else happening to my wife where I needed to be here. And then the other thing was also the the competition the pitch competition that i was invited to to present and during that comp- the pitch competition was actually cool too because what they did is they gave each nonprofit three different coaches that that helped you craft your story and find a way to tell it in a way that it's meaningful and most impactful so these investors everybody that were voting they could vote for your organization so it was really very much so like what a startup pitch competition would look like but it was just for nonprofit. so i was like man this is a really great tools to be able to have people come alongside me that can coach me along the way of how to best present my my um the story of the organization bringing that i was involved with so then they can get selected 
So for me, I was drawn more by the process and the development of of who I am as a as an entrepreneur, creator, and influencer, whatever you want to call it, than it was just the end result of like, oh, you're getting a chance to tell your story in this huge conference, or you're getting a chance to tell, bring a story to potential investors that can support you. For me, it was really more about that process, right? The process of which I'm engaging with all this different subject matter expert that's giving me feedback to improve and grow within my own elements of who I am. And I think that's really what drew drew me to those opportunities. And I also knew that, yeah, I'm also going to be transitioning from my nine to five in about a month and a half. So I have to, you know, expand my exposure for potential future opportunities down the road. So I fly out to Austin the night before I needed to tell my, the day before I needed to tell my story, I show up in Austin. First time in Austin, I'm like, whoa, this place is awesome. This is beautiful. I I take a taxi to the hotel and in the hotel there's, you know, there's other, because it's like, it's a week long conference. So there's already other stuff happening. The director of that particular organization comes and meets me and I end up meeting all the other storyteller. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And a couple of minutes after all of us have settled, our mouth coach are also there and they say, oh, we're going to just practice your, your storytelling. And I'm like, oh, snap, they're not messing around. Like, we got to tell the story already. So um, the Guatemalan storyteller was first, right? And, he, and my, mind you, he, he's done the moth and he's done all this. Like, he's won different Grand Slam champion of storytelling so he goes and tells the story of how his family, he was, he was uh, snucked to coming to America and he talks about the environment and the helicopters and all the different things that he went through. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh my gosh, this opportunity is amazing. This is incredible to just be around these really talented people. And then it's my turn and I, I kind of just go fast with my story and my coach is like, Hey, you know, it just gives me some pointer. And then, um, my other colleague, the Vietnamese storyteller, she goes and tells her story. She, she given some pointers. And I end up like during the, during that time, just like just reflecting, just seizing the moment, like being present. And I think this is, this is something that a lot of people struggle with. Like we have a hard time of being present and just, soaking in the moment, letting it marinate. And for me, the best way I learn is by literally processing and engaging with what's happening around me. So I was just like taking, just taking everything in. And of course I'm texting my wife every second. Is everything good? Everything good. I'm like, listen, anything happens, I can take a a red eye back home, like right away. She's like, everything is good. We're good. So then the next day, we practice our stories again. I'm meeting with my moth coach and, and my moth, my, the, my, the moth coach that I had, she's the real deal. She's like one of the, one of the producers and storyteller, uh, structure guidance for, um, the moth. So she's done all this mega story projects all over the world. She's the real deal. And she's like working with me and helping me craft my story. And then I end up like, I have about like an hour window, hour and a half window before I do the presentation. So I end up going upstairs in this hotel and they had a kind of a rooftop rooftop pool that over that overlooked 
uh, Austin. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, what? This is amazing. So I'm just reflecting on my story. And I, I feel... And at that time, I got a ton of pressure around me, around everything that's just been happening within my life and the decision I'm going to make and transitioning out of my job and all that. And I'm just like, just soaking it in. I'm just reflecting. I'm just, I think, I think I definitely prayed. I was just praying to just get peace and calmness and just grounded. I felt very, very grounded. And then it's my turn to go downstairs and meet with all the storytellers and get ready to tell my story. So I'm just going to play a little bit of that. And, and I've never shared. I'm actually not allowed to like share the entire thing because it's a, it was a moth story project. But somehow someone recorded it secretly. So here here is just my intro of this uh, presentation I did. Um, so check it out. World premiere. Deo. Moth story. Boom. Oh, just give me one second. Let me change my audio out here to make sure that it's going out on the right spot so you can hear it. So let's try that again. And we are live. Let's do it. I was six years old playing outside with my brothers. As my father came out the door, my mother was grabbing onto his shirt pregnant at the time, saying, please, please, don't go, don't leave us. My father walked towards my brothers and I, looked at me and said, Dale, I need you to be strong for your brothers. I need you to support your mother and be strong for yourself. And he walked down the street where the car came and picked him up. It was 1997 in Kinshasa, the capital of Congo, in the heart of Africa. Everything I knew about my life changed. The government that ruled for 34 years that my father worked for was overthrown by a leader named Kabila. Kabila took over by a political coup. The people that helped him take power were Congolese people, Burundians, Rwandans, and Ugandans. By the time the rebels reached the capital, Congolese people didn't fight against him. He was welcomed with open arms. My father at the time was so passionate to help the Congolese people. Kabila found himself fighting against the same people that helped him take power because the deals and agreement that he made, he didn't live up to them. He made an announcement asking all the ex-government officials to come together and rebuild the country. My father thought this was a perfect opportunity for him. Congolese people had a lot of hatred and anger towards Burundians, Rwandans. Most of the Rwandans that were in Congo, they flee Rwanda. So part of the story, because my story is so complex, I wanted to make sure that I gave my listener a little bit of a framework of kind of the, the context of living in the Congo and the turmoil that went on that led to eventually my father getting assassinated. So I, I wanted to make sure that I did that. And, and at one point I know my, my moth coach was like, I don't know if you need that. I don't know if you need to keep that. But I also just realized that I definitely needed to give a little bit of context because I couldn't just get to my story without 
being able to tell them a little bit of that. So here's a little bit more of the story. I realized I was also one of the children that she was mentioning, but all I can remember what my father said to me before he left. He said, Dale, I need you to take care of your brothers. I need you to support your mother and be strong. The next day, we went and reunited with my father's side of family. My mother told me, it's going to be very dangerous moving forward. Don't talk to a stranger. We're not supposed to have a funeral. We're not supposed to have anything. My father's side of family decided to have a small get together. People came by to pay their respect. As night came, my mother and my, my father's side of family started bickering. My, side, my father's side of family told my mother, Bernadette, give us the children and you can go and restart your life. My mother said, no, I'm not going to give up my children. My father's side of family said, well, it's really dangerous. We wash our hands. Good luck with the children. I remember my mom, my mom stayed up that night crying. And all I did is I held on her, on her hands. All I could remember is what my father told me. Take care of your brothers. Support your mother and be strong. My mother didn't have any relatives in the Congo. All her family were in Burundi. We decided to move in with a local family friend. We were, get, we were given a spot in the room where we stayed. We had an eight by eight. And even in my tone as I'm telling this story, like I, I was really embodying every piece of what was, what, what was happening as I'm telling the story. And I realized like, my voice started to change a little bit and, 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 and I, I was, I'm not going to lie. I was definitely emotional as I was telling the story and it was probably one of the most vulnerable experience I've ever had telling my story within that and within, within a setting like that. Speaker was talking about forgiveness. And as I was sitting there, I wrestled with this whole idea. But during that time, it was a very hard time for me because I was looking for an answer of what was happening. As I was sitting down, I felt my knees tighten up. I felt my toes tighten up. As different people were around me, some people were praying, some people were up in the podium. I found myself standing up. I walked up to the podium. I don't know why I was, I was doing this. My body started shaking. So I ended up telling my story, and at the end of it, I felt so relief, and I felt that I can really trust the process of, of, of being the story instead of telling the story from a third person standpoint, even though it's my own experience. I ended up, um, you know, talking to different people after that. And it was, it was a really awesome experience to develop relationship with different folks. And then I had to fly home. So I come home, I get, I get home really late. The same day that I, I spoke is the same day I did it. Uh, I ended up flying back home. And I get home and I'm like, all right, that was a really awesome experience. I'm super grateful for the experience I had. Now I have to start preparing for this pitch. The pitch was really unique because, like I said earlier, it was an opportunity for a nonprofit that I've been working with for so long to be able to, to get a little bit more visibility locally, but also to then um, be able to raise some money that can really support them. And I wanted to make sure that something stuck out on my, in the way that I presented. So I wanted, so I created this whole thing in my head. I'm like, what if during my presentation, if I ask the audience to stand up and try to learn a dance routine, right? So mind you, this is like 
corporate audience, right? They're business leaders within the community, different, probably most of them were more on the older side, you know? So it's like, how uncomfortable would they feel? And then, then I can make my point because the whole point of what I was, uh, what we were pitching was this whole idea of this app called I Am My Own Champion, which was really a program that I was running within the, the school district through the Bring It program where it helps students identify kind of their inner driver, right? Being able to conquer their fear, ask for help, get involved with different things and take ownership of their learning approach by identifying who they are internally. So I wanted to create that connection with the audience around this awkwardness of feeling vulnerable if I asked them to get up and try to take a dance, right? But then I, but then I asked the audience after I said, what if I told you that you were going to have a coach that's going to come alongside you to walk you through the process and help you conquer your fear around the idea of you learning a dance class in front of all this dance steps in front of all this random people. So I'm going to play the actual, the entire pitch to you. Um, and then I end up doing a little breakdance move towards the end. Just to, you know, to make the audience remember the presentation. That's what's really all about. So here is the pitch. Those emotions. This was the pitch for um, the, the nonprofit program. And because it's loading on YouTube, so I got to let it skip so I can play. All right, we're good now. This is live. This is live. This is a live podcast. So it is. People think of the way they can prosper in life is through education opportunities. Luckily, in New Hampshire, we have a really high percentage of people, students, that end up graduating from high school. But what we're finding is 52% of those students don't actually end up going to college. And as you know, the job market is showing that as years continue to move forward, more and more jobs are going to require some sort of post-secondary education or certification or credentials. I've had the pleasure to work with a program called Bring In, serving students from all over different parts of the world that resettle in Manchester. Bring in happens every Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Every year, we experience close to 500, over 500 students that we serve. From my day job, I get the pleasure to develop learning models for adult learners. So because of that gap, we started realizing that it's not just about access or resources. It's really about the missing link. And some of those missing links is usually relevance. Students are not coming out of high school with the relevance of why is it important for them to get a job. And sometimes the gap is really understanding what their will driver. Unfortunately, the current structure in school doesn't provide that. So we decided to create a program called I Am My Own Champion. It's to help students take ownership of what their learning process is in order for them to move forward. So what is I Am My Own Champion? It's similar to executive coaching. You have a personal coach that works alongside you in order to figure out how to move forward. We ran a pilot in the Manchester School District they were willing to offer three, a half a credit for students that complete the program. We ran a pilot, everybody got excited about it, and we realized that there wasn't enough funding for us to continue the program. So in this part of my presentation, I'm actually gonna have all you guys stand up, because we're gonna do some dance moves here. Oh, no, no, I'm just joking. We're not gonna dance. But I just can't help myself to look at this floor. I'm like, I just wanna dance so bad. What if the way that you're feeling right now
right now, the fact that I just said we're all gonna get up and dance, some of you guys felt anxious, some of, them, some of you guys felt nervous. Well, this is the same thing. What if I told you I was gonna provide you a coach that was gonna walk you through the process for you to actually get up here and dance? This is the same process that we're doing with I Am My Own Champion. With your funding, we have an opportunity to take this program to all, all the four high schools in Manchester with close to 100 students. And what we want to do is we want to modulize the process and create training package and hopefully we can license this and offer this all over New Hampshire and hopefully nationally. And the far stretch goal is to actually create an app that stimulates the process of this program. I'm just gonna put the mic real quick because I'm getting really excited. You guys want to see some dance move real quick? So the way that you just felt by seeing me dance is the same way you would feel if you supported our program, I Am My Own Champion. Let's support the Manchester School District. Thank you. Anyway, so yeah, that's, that's a little bit of a framework around what my pitch actually ended up being. And it was super exciting. We ended up not winning another um, group that had this app that was able to help people report um, any sexual harassment within their their school or anything that happened to them so they ended up winning and but the, I learned so much from that experience of being able to get some people come alongside me coach me and be able to have an opportunity to pitch an idea very similar to the experience that I had working with the moth and gcer to be able to go down and tell my story at the end of that I felt so I felt so proud of having that opportunity to do those two events and what I learned along the way, even though, you know, with the pitch, we didn't end up getting selected for the prize, but just the, 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 the relationships and the trust and the process of being mentored by, you know, this executives and folks that are constantly being pitched by different startups. It was really cool to have that opportunity. And then a couple of days later, after those two events happened, the most important thing happened, which was the birth of my daughter. She was born. And it was so exciting to, to be able to meet her. Uh, the, my oldest, the two oldest kids that I have, they're, they're both boys. So when people were saying to me that, hey, you're going to have a girl, it's going to be different. I used to always like say, oh, come on, shut up, man. Kids are kids. But having a daughter, it's very different. Like it's like the connection between... I don't know, like it's just different for me because I grew up with the family of all boys. So I was the oldest of five boys and my first two kids were boys and all of a sudden I have a, you know, a daughter. So but she was born and everything was, she was healthy, everything was good. And it was just like such an incredible time for me, even though there's a lot of moving parts leading to her birth in terms of my responsibility and all this other stuff that I needed to take care of. And then after her birth, you know, there was other stuff that, that occurred in terms of me preparing for my transition, becoming independent and, and running my own business and having partners. But I wanted to tell this story because I don't know if that's the right thing that I did by taking on some of those engagements really close within, you know, the time frame my daughter was being being born. I don't know if that was the right choice or not. But for me personally, I, I want to go back to that thing I mentioned earlier around taking ownership of the consequences and I think that's really where true leadership lies, because when you take ownership of the consequences, it's less about the end result, but it's more of what happens if this happens. What are you going to do about it? Right. The negative impact of a decision that you make 
How are you going to sift through that? Are you going to be able to live with yourself with that particular result? And are you going to, you know, do you have a plan B? Do you have a plan C, plan D, whatever, whatever it is, right? And then the other aspect of it is if something positive happens in result of that, how are you going to sift through it as well? What does it mean for you? How are you going to to celebrate and be intentional? And are you going to identify those who've come alongside you during that process as well? And I think a lot of times people don't really want to take ownership to the consequences, especially when it's negative consequences. Where for me, I realized early on that, you know, I'm a very strategic, spontaneous and uh, process learner. So I'm constantly always trying new things, innovating new things. And I make a ton of mistakes along the way. But one of the things that finds me, that helps me to be grounded is really taking ownership of that, the consequences. So I want to encourage you with this podcast today, as you heard me tell my stories about this time frame that I was in about five years ago in the middle of a transition, waiting for my daughter to be born and having all this really amazing opportunity to, to engage in the process in which I took. And I, I just want to encourage you as, you, as you heard my story, you know, what does it mean for you? How are you processing things and how are you taking ownership? Are you, are you a person who would more likely run away from a frictional thing because you're like, oh, that makes me feel uncomfortable and I don't know if I can handle it, Right. Are you, are you a person that's just going to jump in and say, oh, I'm going to do it no matter what, right? And sacrifice other things. Like if you're not intentional about reflecting on those impact, then you're going into it without really taking ownership of the consequences of what's going to happen. So I want to encourage you as you hear this story, it's really important to also um, identify what is it to celebrate during the process of something, right? Like I mentioned earlier when I had the moth coach, like I really, really valued this person who is subject matter expert she's worked with authors and 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 you know politicians all these famous people and here she is coaching me for a month and a half and helping me to craft my story in a way that it allows me to be authentic to who I am um and then the the the, the coaches that I got for the pitch the the nonprofit pitch that I got to work on and their feedback and them helping us craft a narrative that was going to be exciting and more engaging for the audience to be able to consider the nonprofit that I was representing the process is really important. We, we tend to run away from the process because the process might put us in an uncomfortable situation. And, and sometimes if we don't have the skill set, the process is actually going to mold us. And for most of us, we don't really like the process. We like the end result. But the reality is, in order to get to the end result, you have to trust the process and you have to take ownership of the process. So thank you so much for being able to tune in and listen to me in the podcast today and um, persevere to excel. That's the slogan. You know, we persevere through what we face in life in order to be able to get to the other end of it. But the important part is taking ownership of the process. Thank you again for listening to Persevere to Excel podcast. Please subscribe, share, and um, have a good day. Thank you so much.